Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. Rolling on the floor laughing is a thing. I can, I've seen, you know, we've all seen people do it. I've done it. I'm kidding. <laughs> for me, now the work is to want what I have even kind of shitty stuff. You know, that's my work. It's it's imperfect. So let me ask you a question about actors because you are- I hate them. Yeah, me too. We are old fuddy-duddies. We go to sleep at 10, we wake up at six. We go to bed at eight, oh, so well, we are go. more fuddy-duddies than you. You are the fuddy-duddiest. <laughs> yes. Welcome to Go Ask Ally. I'm Allie Wentworth. I don't know about you, but I feel like we're all immersed in a very fear-based culture. I'm scared of everything from global warming to nuclear war to the things I'm streaming on television, which all seem to be true crime. I think people read little things in magazines and then you somehow put them in a scenario within your own life and just scare the shit out of yourself. So what is our relationship with fear? What does it mean? How do we reduce it? How do we understand it? How do we intuit it? Well, my guest today is the genius of all these things. Gavin DeBecker is a leading expert on the prediction and management of violence. Gavin's work has earned him three presidential appointments and a position on a congressional committee. He was twice appointed to the president's advisory board at the U.S. Department of Justice. He's also a senior fellow at UCLA's School of Public Policy and Social Research. Gavin is a New York Times bestselling author of The Gift of Fear, which I encourage everybody to read. His books about violence and safety are now published in 18 languages and have been profiled in Time and Newsweek, featured on Oprah Winfrey, 60 Minutes, and many, many others. Please note that this episode contains some conversations about violence that some people may find disturbing. If you prefer to avoid this content, the topics and time codes are in the show notes. Gavin DeBecker, <laughs> I have never been so scared in my life. And this is 
complete truth and honesty. And I think I can speak for my husband, George, and most of my friends, because as you've talked about in your book and in lectures and stuff, you know, this isn't a, these aren't LA freeway shootings. It's not some serial killer. Uh, I feel like the whole world is on fire and I'm afraid of of our politicians being killed, of nuclear war, of global warming, of domestic and international terrorism. And you must hear this a lot, but how do I calm my nerves? How do I live my life without constantly not being able to sleep because of anxiety and being in perpetual fear of so many things? I, I love the question because I can fix that in just a few seconds. Excellent. With a pill. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it actually takes a lot of pills. I'm sure. Uh, so, you know, there is a thing that, that governments tend to spray at people, uh, which are worst case scenarios, worst case scenarios. And the worst case scenario is not a prediction. It's not a... Um, uh, a, uh, an organized thought process. It is a creative process where people think, as they have to in government, what would be the worst thing that could happen with a virus, for example, this virus? What's the worst thing that could happen? Now, rarely do they say, here's the best thing that could happen, right? It could peter out. It could The variants could be better instead of worse, that kind of thing. So we see a lot of worst case scenarios, and I think it's valuable for people to know that the Word, scenario, of course, comes from scene. It is a creative exercise. And when we do that in our minds, you could say, for example, Captain, what's the worst case scenario on the flight? Fiery crash. That's the worst case scenario. Uh, officer, what's the worst case scenario? Homicide. Doctor, what's the worst case scenario? Sudden death. But we don't live our lives that way, asking what are the worst case scenarios. Rather, we ideally live our lives asking what are the likely events? So at home, on your refrigerator, you might have a list of phone numbers. You've got Dr. Kellerman, you've got the pediatrician, you've got so-and-so, but you don't have the nuclear emergency search team, uh, which is the organization that uh, tracks down radioactive material uh, that might be used by terrorists, for example, and they've got a bunch of helicopters, etc. But that's not on your refrigerator because it's actually not likely. And so what I encourage people to do is look at the likely events in their lives as opposed to the worst case scenario events. And this is the opposite of what government does, and it's the opposite of what uh, media does, news media, right? News media, it's only news uh, because it is something that isn't likely in your life. You know, what is it that makes news? It is the unusual. It is right. specifically that which is not typically happening. If we were to be honest with the public and to shout at them about what's alarming. Let's say uh, the, the public health institutions of America, CDC, FDA, et cetera. What would they shout at us if they were being accurate to reality? They would say, um, accidents in the home, a major killer. Millions of you will suffer these this week and 3,000 of you will die. That's exactly true accidents in the home. However, because we know that accidents in the home are slightly under our control, because we know that they are not new, uh, we tend to be less afraid of them than of any of the things you mentioned, uh, the newest virus. You know, at the moment, for example, while, uh, while COVID is a current variant that is not particularly serious for the overwhelming majority of people, 
people your age and even my age. I'm 68. Uh, the average age of death from the very beginning, back in 2020, was 81. In Canada, this will be an interesting fact, in Canada, 71% of all the people whose deaths were attributed to COVID, they lived in nursing homes. They were nursing home residents. So right away, you could say, if I'm not a nursing home resident, um, I have a massively greater chance of surviving this virus than if I am a nursing home resident. And what kills nursing home residents, by the way? Everything. Yeah. They're there, generally, to die, right? right. In, in Los Angeles County, the average term of residency in a nursing home is less than six months. So when you say you've got a lot of deaths and you attribute them to COVID, for example, and, and the majority of them are in nursing homes, you basically can begin to, and this is my answer to your question, exclude yourself from the likely candidates for that outcome. There are two forms of fear. Anxiety isn't even on the list, by the way. Anxiety is not a fear. Anxiety and worry are a different thing, mm -hmm. different part of the brain, different part mm -hmm. of the heart. But there are two forms of fear, one that's enormously valuable, and that is true fear. Mm -hmm. True fear is a signal in the presence of danger. That means I see it, I hear it, I feel it, I taste it, I perceive it. It's a signal in the presence of danger. Lion right there, snake right there. I need to know that information. Unwarranted fear is not based on your senses. It is always based on your imagination or your memory. So I share this example with you. You're uh, uh, at the airport, you're boarding a plane, and you think, don't get on that plane. That, I, don't, I don't feel good about that flight. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. So you can, you can ask yourself, what is the cause of that fear? Is it uh, something you saw on the news about an airplane crash in Brazil three months ago, in which case it's in your imagination or your memory? Or is it because you just saw the two pilots stumbling out of the bar and wobbling their way onto the aircraft, that would be in your environment. That would be something you sense. And that would be true fear. So the difference between true fear and unwarranted fear is the answer to your question, which is, could it happen that we would have nuclear war, for example? Could it happen is never the question to ask. Could it happen? We always know the answer. I can give you the answer for every good question right now. Yes. Okay. Yes. You could have heart failure right now. Yes, you could. Absolutely. But the question we all ask in our lives is what's most likely? Mm -hmm. What's most likely to happen? I'm going to give you one last example in the longest answer in podcast history. I don't think so. Oh, oh, you must have had somebody even more long-winded. <laughs> no, I, uh, I think my third question is going to have a longer answer. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get ready. I'll have a I'll have a brief break between now and then. Um, the in your home, in anybody's home, any viewer or listener of the podcast, uh, we know that helicopters could land on the roof with intruders who could core through the ceiling and lower themselves with ropes into our apartment or home. That could happen. But we've made the decision that a more likely area of entry is the front door or the front window. So we put locks on the front door and the front window. My point there is that could is simply always the wrong question when it comes to safety, because we have to be able to act every day and and face life and life itself is a sexually transmitted always fatal condition everybody dies and the question we have to ask ourselves is not how shall we die 
but how shall we live? And that's a choice. And so we do have to set aside risks to fly to the moon as an astronaut. I have to set aside the risk of getting on top of a giant uh, you know, b- a bag of fuel and lighting the match, which is basically what a rocket is. To build that bridge, I have to set aside the risk of crossing that big expanse of water and the bridge that you drive over often yourself, Brooklyn Bridge and others. People died building those bridges, all of them. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, you, they had to set aside risks and, and take risks and, and, and still act. You know, as a parent, we have to, you know, we're walking around almost like our hearts are outside our bodies. These, these children we care about so much. And yet we have to say, okay, you can go. You can go on that thing. You're old enough to cross that street. You can ride that bicycle. We know, of course, all variety of injury can come to them as it can come to us, but we, we act with courage. And uh, almost done, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is acting in the face of fear. I know something, I'm doing a podcast. I could make a terrible mistake and be canceled for something I say, but I'm acting anyway. And I, I'm not unafraid of the mistakes I might make or you might make or who knows what may happen, but I'm willing to act in the face of, of those fears. That's courage. And that I would say that I do that with my children. I don't want my daughter to go out at 10 o'clock at night to a party downtown, but if I don't let her go and she doesn't go out and experience the world, ultimately, I'm not helping her, even though I saw the the movie abducted or whatever it was called. I mean, I feel like everything on streaming right now starts with a dead white girl. So, you know, my, my fears are always with my daughters. Oh my God, something's going to happen. So, but I try to override that. Um, I do want to talk about the media with you because you do, you've talked a lot in your book, particularly about using fear to get people to watch. And I feel like it's everywhere. Everywhere I look, when I try to escape and watch something on TV, it it makes me scared. And I don't know, should we turn off the news? Should we only watch Seinfeld? Um, how do we find a constructive balance between everything that is, we're inundated by on a day-to-day basis with the media? All right. So a couple of things. One is that I do believe that the news media and particularly television and particularly local news is very bad for people. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to getting information, I encourage people to choose their avenue for going and getting the information, meaning the internet is so remarkable with all its failings. It's so remarkable that I could say, oh, I'm a little interested today in the homicide rate in Sweden. I can go find that information. But if I wait, For the local news to scream it at me and spray it at me, it will be presented in the most alarming way possible. Uh, Years ago, I used to joke that uh, the Channel 2 News ought to say, welcome to the Channel 2 News. We're surprised you made it through another day. And here's what happened to those that that didn't. And then they would give you the death litany, all the ways in which people died. And so, you know, years ago, uh, there was a big earthquake in L.A., And after the earthquake, there was all kinds of news media reports. Was this the big one? What about if the big one comes? And one of my favorites was on um, CBS, uh, uh, KNXT, I think was the CBS affiliate in Los Angeles. And it said, um, what would have happened if the earthquake had also caused a tsunami? And they had Los Angeles graphics showing waves going over 
40-story buildings in downtown LA. And my first thought was, if there had been a tsunami, we wouldn't have to pick up all this glass that we were sweeping around our house. That was the funny part. The not funny part was that they did a graphic and they showed you what Los Angeles would be like if, 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 could, 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 could. And so that is bad for us. That very element is bad for us. And I think one thing that's going on now that is new and particularly destructive and we see it probably most of all with public health issues, is that the government and the news media are aligned. Now, you could say how nice, but of course, the history of the value of the news media was to ask tough questions of an Anthony Fauci or a Dr. Borla, the CEO of Pfizer. Whenever, prior to this time, did the news media say, oh, okay, okay, great, uh, Pfizer. Sure, we like it. Yeah, that's good enough for us. There'd be questions. There'd be a lot of questions, and there'd be a lot of press conferences, and there'd be people refusing to attend press conferences and people reporting on that. And there is something about public health and pharma that somehow takes the spine and the legs out of the news media. And that something might include the fact that between 70 and 90% of cable news channels are sponsored by Pfizer and other pharma companies. That's a problem. Uh, And so it's why is it a problem? Because it does incline you to not want to begin your telecast today with all the failings in a clinical trial, if you feel there were any, for example. And so what we're seeing is, why is there more fear? Because at the current moment, we don't have an advocate in the news media or in the government, balancing the only thing we get. So, for example, politicians, starting with Trump, going through Biden, um, talk about the big story of our lives, which is this pandemic, uh, probably the biggest event in world history. And I don't mean because of COVID. I mean because of government reaction. Mm-hmm. Lockdowns, when you have billions of people affected in terms of their day-to-day lives, that's a big deal. Uh, so that issue that I'm that I'm zeroing in on, which is that normally you had government saying, here's the new thing to be afraid of. And I, a politician, I'm going to fix this for you. And you got to be aware of it, blah, blah, blah. Historically, governments throughout human history have used fear to control populations. Right. It's either fear of the other, the bad guys in the next village, or it's fear of internal uh, risks like terrorism. But whatever it is, That's what governments do. They use fear to control conduct and behavior. So if you imagine, to put it in very simple terms, the king and the queen, they're looking over the castle wall, and there's always a castle wall. They're not walking around with everybody else for good reason. And they look over and they see the population is fighting with each other. And that is good news. They high-five each other. Because the only bad news for the king and the queen is when everybody feels the same way. That's when you get real change. That's when you get Tunisia or Egypt or the Arab Spring. And so at the current moment, the division that we see, and it is profound, it is civil war profound, the division that we see, Yes, that division is encouraged by those in power. It is not discouraged. And uh, I say those in power doesn't mean just an administration. I mean a government. Administrations come and go. Government stays. And so when you have government doing what governments do, they never haven't which is use fear to control populations and to, and to influence events. And you also have the news media doing it, which they always have, 
but they were a check and balance prior to this moment. The challenge there is that at the moment, we are being hit with fear from government and media, and they're not in conflict. They are aligned. COVID is the worst thing in world history. It ain't. Not even close. Uh, lockdowns are good. They ain't. Not even close. So anyway, my, 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 my ending to this answer is that fear is worse today for everyone than it was two and a half years ago. In fact, I would add, sounds like a politician, but everything is worse than it was two and a half years ago. And so you don't you don't see the king and queen looking down and seeing this polarized political parties um, as a good thing now, do you? You know, it's it's like you said, there's civil unrest. Do you think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I think it's a bad thing, but I assure you, politicians think it's a good thing. Uh, leaders and and uh, people in the White House, that comes and goes, of course. I'm 68, so you get a fair number of people coming and going in the White House, and, it's, and you see that it's not all about them. People in power like division among the population, period. That includes the news media, who would have very little to report. CNN would have even less uh, viewership than it has now. Fox would have even less viewership than it has now if they didn't have the, the stridency of their disagreements. Uh, and the and the division. The division is good for business. It is extremely bad for the citizens, however, extremely bad, because we are social animals. And yet what's happened in the last two and a half years that, in my view, must never happen again, is the ability for direct communication from power to the individual, news media, mm -hmm. or direct communication from controlled power, uh, uh, social media, to the individual, and not a whole lot of communication among each other. So all we're left with is our controversies. Whereas when we're allowed to be together, concert, beach, shopping, uh, event, we are at our best. So that's their thing. That's okay. But you don't give them the central position in our lives, top of the news, top of the White House, all day, 24 hours. When you do that for any one topic, we suffer. Yeah. It could be a war. It could be crime. Anything that you make one topic, that's not what life is like. There's a lot more to come after this short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we're back. I read your book. Uh, a while ago, but I remember thinking, yes, I'm somebody that sees a serial rapist on the news and I'm convinced he's out right outside my door when in fact, yes, it's a guy in, you know, Northern California who's 3000 miles away from me. But yet I kind of, and I think a lot of people do this. You make it about you. You put yourself in that scenario, in that creative yes you know, image that you have. Um, but I want to talk about spousal homicide because you say you can actually predict the violence that is imminent. Yeah. Pre-incident indicators. But I do just want to say quickly, because you yeah. said I say it's it's predictable. Yes, I think it's the most predictable serious crime in our lives. It, that, that never happens where everybody says, or the victim says, oh, I had no idea that was coming. Bob just came home and killed me. That's not what's going on. She's been afraid. She's been concerned. There have been police calls. There have been visits. Uh, you know, he had usually witnessed violence in his childhood. He, uh, he made threats. He used weapons as an instrument of power. He glorified weapons. He broke things mm -hmm. in the house, which is called mm -hmm. symbolic violence. He, you know, tore up the picture that she was in. He tore up the wedding gown. Um, she showed up at work wearing sunglasses, on and on and on and on. It is never uh, that it's it, the example I use is you have two wolves on a mountain path somewhere and they meet each other face to face. And one, the ears go back and the tail gets big and the hair goes up on their neck and a low growl starts. And then one attacks the other. The victim wolf never says, Oh, I had no idea that was coming. All the signals have been exchanged. And human beings are no different. Do you think you can predict violence not only in a spousal homicide, but can you predict violence in so many different other scenarios? Like, could you tell me if there's going to be a lot of civil unrest? It's true. Different, each kind of prediction, and there are many that society makes. Is this employee going to work out well for me? Is this boyfriend going to turn out to be a great guy or a dangerous guy? Is this pilot uh, going to do a good job, et cetera? And what people often say is, well, you never know about people. And who says that is the principal of the school that hired the teacher who molested the kids? Oh, well, you, you never know about people. Um, going directly to your question, the years ago, when I used to give speeches, I would ask the audience, is there anybody here who is at this talk today and ha had to have childcare arranged in order to be here? And several hundred people would raise their hands. And I would say, is there anybody here who's not fully comfortable with the child care that they've arranged? And a bunch of people would raise their hands. And I would say, go home. Yeah. 
you know, this is not where you want to be. But when I interviewed people in the audience, invariably, the people who told me I am absolutely comfortable with my childcare, they say, we love her. We consider her a member of our family. We trust her completely. They don't say, well, you never know about people. They have a strong feeling of certainty about it. And when you have a strong feeling of certainty in either direction, that's meaningful. The prediction you asked me about, uh, can we predict social unrest? Well, it couldn't be easier to predict because we already have social unrest. We've had 16,000 demonstrations since the beginning of lockdowns in the United States. So you already have, you'd have to describe Los Angeles as a being in a state of social unrest between homelessness between crime. It's not all organized social unrest, like they're all standing in the same place holding the same sign. But the universal pre-incident indicator for violence, there is a universal pre-incident indicator. It's always present. And that is misery. Oh, God. The person who comes to school uh, and shoots up uh, his former students or former teachers, the, uh, the person who comes to work and shoots up his co-workers, these are people in misery. They are alienated. They are in need. They are suffering. And so that is always present. Otherwise, human beings don't, don't kill each other. There are very minor uh, exceptions to that, which includes soldiers and police officers and people who we accept, all right, that's a killing we bought into. Uh, but the, the pilot in the Middle East who kills a group of people on the ground with a missile and the terrorist who comes to New York City and flies an airplane into a building, they're making the same kind of rationalization for killing. One is not a monster and the other one a saint. Both are deciding, based on the narrative in their heads, that this is justified. So justification is the key. Uh, January 6th, justified. In the, in the minds of the people who showed up to demonstrate outside the Capitol. Uh, Minneapolis, all the fires and riots mm -hmm. and looting justified in the minds of people who were reacting to the death of George Floyd. And so justification is a key component. Yeah. Um, I think about a lot of our politicians now. I would guess there are a lot more death threats on our congressmen and women and our senators than ever before. That's true. Am I that's true. Okay. That's what I thought. That is true. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet the government doesn't pay to have them have any security. Uh, that's, 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 that's not correct. Um, okay, good. The, the security is now provided to more public officials than at any time in our history. It used to be that the secretary of the interior had a driver, but he didn't have bodyguards. Now every member of the cabinet has bodyguards assigned in the, in the, uh, Senate, you have the Speaker of the House has a full-time protective detail, uh, vice president, vice president's family, president, president's family, former presidents, former president's family, secretary of state, on and on and on. But can we provide it to 535 members of Congress? No. Yeah. We can't do it. I mean, what, do, do you want to? Do you want to spend billions of dollars protecting people who go into public life? And one of the risks of public life, be it the small town mayor or the president, is that you're going to... Uh, you're going to encounter people who are angry, people who are hostile, mentally ill people. That goes with public life. Now, I, I support protection for presidents, even though mayors get attacked more often than presidents. 
Do they really? Oh, yes. And a bunch of mayors have been shot and killed. And they're, you know where they live and they live in your town and you're pissed off about what happened with your building permit and you show up at the mayor's house. Um, and so, uh, but but I don't think we can we can solve that problem with bodyguards. Uh, look what we're already doing. A few billion dollars now being spent after January 6th on, on fences and all variety of physical changes for this very small facility. It's only a few acres, the U.S. Capitol. Um, do we need to do it? Well, we have had one event in our history that would tell us that we need to do it, uh, but it doesn't. it's not a good direction to move in. Uh, because what happens is when every federal building is bulletproof and every federal building has a you know 500 yard space around it with bollards that you can't drive a truck toward it, et cetera, et cetera, um, it's a different kind of future. And it is letting individuals. We had the you know the bombing in Oklahoma City of the federal building. Nineteen mm-hmm. children died that in, in that bombing because there was a childcare facility there. Right. But nineteen children die every week killed by a parent. In the United States. And so we have to sort of balance. And unfortunately, politics doesn't balance very well because politics talks about what's got our attention. You said the rapist in the park. You know, those stories are so interesting because uh, I'm here in such and such park, Candlestick Park, where yesterday the serial rapist was arrested and I'm interviewing a woman. I'm terrified to go in the park. Wait a second. Back up. He was arrested yesterday. There's one less rapist. It's better than it was before. And yet, as human beings, and as you said, you do naturally, we put ourselves in that circumstance and we think, I, I don't want to go to that park. But when we do that, now the park becomes less occupied. Look at New York City. New York City is safe and was much safer years ago because we occupied it. We were out there on the streets. We were out there in the parks. We were using the space. As soon as we stop using the space, the only people left are criminals and victims. Right. That's what happens in in, in cities. And L.A. has its version. In L.A., we have something called Fort Apache architecture. Fort Apache is a is a concept that says that in the old west, you used to scurry through the Indian territory to get to the next fort. And you'd only be safe if you were in the fort. So we surrendered all the land outside the forts. Los Angeles, the Beverly Center, big center, tiny little door to go in. The Bonaventure Hotel downtown, big glass building, tiny little door to go in. When you go in, wow, beautiful atrium, plants, fantastic. But outside, shit. Right. And so when we do that, we go through our gated estate. We get in our car. We drive through the dangerous part. Ah, We pull into the Beverly Center. And then we're okay. But what we're doing is surrendering to criminals all the other space. To criminals and poor people, ultimately, who suffer the most and who are the predominantly the victims of homicides and crimes. So we need to be brave. All right. We need to do what Israel does. Israel has a bus is blown up, and the next day people are lining up to ride that next bus on the same route. What does America do in the same circumstance? Put armed guards on the bus. Make the bus bulletproof. Change the bus. Don't take we, the we, bus. We jet- <laughs> don't take the bus of course yeah. and uh, and you know next up people who took the bus and their funerals and right. blah 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 so uh, y- y- yeah it's a it's a challenge look it's a challenge but we've never what's changed in world history you asked me about the king and queen and do people still like division they love it yes politicians please more but what's changed is over a thousand years ago with the king and queen is this electronic business we're on right now 
What's changed is the ability to speak globally and influence news globally. Facebook takes off hate speech, for example. Ain't that great? But do we want Facebook deciding what's hate speech or what's got to be said or what's... I don't. Not at all. I prefer that the solution to speech we don't like is speech we do like. I prefer that method. And that's how you and I grew up most of our lives. Of course, people are going to say shit you don't like. Of course they are. And they usually suffer for it. And it's time for a short break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with dust-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Welcome back to Go Ask Alley. So I didn't know the difference between intuition and fear until I was living in Los Angeles and I was attacked by a gang and they robbed me and they threw me up against the car. They were preparing to gang rape me. They were lining up. They were taking my clothes off and then started screaming at each other in Spanish and then tried to push me in the car. And I was in a complete submissive state. I was going to do exactly what they told me to do. And I was shut down. I mean, it was a survival thing of just completely shutting down and leaving my body. And at one point, I looked over at this guy that I was with when we were both attacked, and he mouthed to me, don't get in. And it hit me on such a visceral level. And it, it immediately, my instinct was, if I get in this car, I'm going to be killed. And I turned around and I ran as fast as I could. Two of the gang members chased me, couldn't catch me. 
you know, long story short, I tried to, I, I stopped some cars. My friend was being stabbed, but survived. But this experience taught me that I, that a part of me that I wasn't even aware of, which I call my gut, yes. uh, said to me in its most survivalist way, run, basically run. And so that's yeah. what I, you know, that's, uh, I don't know how you, I mean, you could term it better than me, but it, it it's almost like survival. It's my, my survival gut or that voice or tendency. It's not really fight or flight. It's more, um, you've got, you're hyper instinctual about a situation. Uh, it's true. And it's, it's really at the center of my work is intuition. And uh, when I was writing Gift of Fear, the the word, I learned the origin of the word is inter, which means to guard and to protect. And you mentioned your gut. The gut actually has uh, neurons. It has more neurons, more brain cells in effect than a dog has. It has a great deal of intelligence and it has intelligence that's unfiltered. When, we, when it's up here, we filter it. Oh, I don't want to be that kind of person. I'll just get in the elevator with that scary guy. And so we get into a steel soundproof chamber with somebody we're afraid of. No other animal in nature would do that. So I think that when I'm a big believer in listening to intuition, and intuition says, in effect, shut up and do exactly what I tell you, and I'll get you out of here. And sometimes it's counterintuitive. Like you were told, always cooperate with people or they'll kill you. No, very often that's exactly the opposite of true. And so the 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 experience you just uh, recounted to me reminds me of a woman I interviewed where she said uh, that she said uh, it was like an animal uncoiled inside me and I was a passenger on my own legs. Yeah. Meaning the thing was happening. And the there's a, a woman I interviewed who was attacked with her six-year-old daughter she'd put in the car and she had to get around the car and get into the driver's seat. And she as she got into the driver's seat, the guy was a, upon her and he was trying to hold her legs. And she heard the, the word in her mind, car key. And she thought, I don't want to be the kind of person who sticks a key in this guy's eye. But amazingly, she had already done it. And the car door had already closed and she had already driven away. And then she said, um, gee, at least I didn't, you know, stick him in both eyes. And then she realized she had done that too. Oh my She'd God. gone boom, boom. And so intuition had handled the whole situation. So I'm a big believer in intuition and I believe that it is our nuclear defense system. Nature has made such a huge investment in human beings. Every one of us with these millions of neurons and this remarkable system that we are and this shared collective genius and the individual genius that there's no way your daughters were built as the most recent model of human being without a defense system. And they have a nuclear defense system and that is intuition. Intuition is just the communication method by which you get the signal for your survival. So how does intuition speak with us? It speaks with us through gut feelings, through, um, through hunches, through suspicion. Uh, that is an interesting word too, suspicion, because suspicion, people think, oh, I don't want to be suspicious of somebody. But all it means, the word suspicere, the root, it means to watch. It just means watch, just means pay attention. So Fear is one of the signals of intuition. It's the one that's hardest to ignore because oh, we feel terrible and, and, and it gets our attention. But there are many signals of intuition, hunches, gut feelings, curiosity is a signal of intuition. Like, why did I? And then you get the idea and you don't go in that underground parking lot. So the key is to listen to it.
to listen to intuition and give it a voice and let it don't prosecute it and, and send it on its way. That's what we do a lot. Oh, I don't want to be like that. I'm going to get in this elevator or this is a this is a very sophisticated hospital. The Sisters of Mercy, for Christ's sake, I should listen to the doctor. Not if you think you shouldn't. Not if you have a strong feeling that says, whoa, 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 not this guy. And there's a bunch of stories in my book of people who did listen to doctors who were doing surgery on their kids and regretted it because they had the feeling, not this doctor. Is it okay to take your kid, get in the car and go home? Yes. Is it okay to stand in line at the at the uh, clinic or hospital for some treatment and feel, oh, I changed my mind? Yes, you can do that. You can do that. And uh, I, I do want to be sure it's some time that, there is, that I tell everybody, there is a Gift of Fear Masterclass series that's available for free at giftoffear.com. I'm not charging anybody for no, it. No, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, it's, it's 10 episodes long. I'm very proud of it. It's interviewing a lot of people who prevailed through violence, and, um, and I, can, I can plug it mercilessly because it's free. Um, not everybody reads books, and mm-hmm. not everybody has time to read books, and so Gift of Fear is a great book. It's out there. Uh, but the Gift of Fear Masterclass series, I really aimed at younger people who could absorb it in in video form. And it's giftoffear.com. That's it. End of the plug. Which is great. It's a perfect way to end the podcast. Before we go, you know, I ask in my podcast lots and lots of questions to my guest, and then I get to turn around and you get to ask me anything, my my cupcake recipe, whatever you want. Thank you. So what would you like to ask me? Uh, thank you so much. It's not about cupcake recipe. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in, in baking, but I love banana bread that my wife makes. That's a plug for our banana bread. Okay. Um, my question for you has to do with the news media also, but in a, in a very specific sense. Okay. How do you deal with disagreement with your, um, your husband, with George? H- how do you deal with disagreement when you see something differently, uh, when you feel differently about it? How do you deal with it? Well, when we first got married, how we dealt with it was I thought, well, he's a Rhodes Scholar, so he probably knows better than me. That didn't last very long. And uh, now I think, <laughs> I mean, I think that our fundamental beliefs are the same. I don't, uh, you know, we're not a James Carville, Mary Matlin, you know, we don't fight over politics. I would say that George is incredibly receptive to conversation. Um, but we we rarely disagree. There are times where I'm more of an alarmist about things. You know, I, I just a week ago, you know, I was hearing from people, oh, my God, you know, nuclear war, missiles, North Korea, uh, you know, Putin. And people are like, you know, we're going to go live in Portugal or we're going to go to Malta. And I was eating dinner with George and I I looked over at him and I said, so what are we going to do in case of a nuclear war? And George just looked at me and he said, we're going to die. And I said, oh, shouldn't we be planning anything? Because no, I think it's better we just die. And then I was like <laughs> somewhat <laughs> calmed and, you know, finished my meatloaf. But so we do listen to each other, you know, and if I have a very and I've had very strong opinions, um, he knows when that tone and that passion comes out of me that I'm serious. And usually I'm right when I get to that heightened state. Yeah. I'm usually right. Yeah, that's intuition. That, that's intuition yeah. usually, and and true for my wife and me too. And I, I just want to say, you you said your values are aligned. Mm-hmm. 
And that's at the core of this issue of public division. Because in fact, if we knew the values of those terrible people we judge, um, we would find they are also aligned. The reality is that the people in those countries and the people in the South and the people who voted for Trump and the people who this, the people who that, all care about their kids having a good life, all care about the people they love, all care about being heard and recognized, all care about being part of something. Vastly more, as I write about in Gift of Fear, vastly more we have in common than we have in contrast. Yeah. And uh, thank you for the answer, by the way. That was a great answer, and I really appreciate it. And I'm glad you guys talk about everything. That's a great way to do it, because all forbidden speech in relationships is toxic. All forbidden topics are toxic, because we don't actually have a dialogue, and we don't get anywhere. No, I always say to George, our whole country needs to be in couple therapy. Really. Yeah, it's very true. So. Yeah. Anyway, Gavin, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Allie. You can watch his free masterclass on personal safety at giftoffear.com and learn more about Gavin and his company at gdba.com. For more info on what you've heard in this episode and for a link to Gavin's book, The Gift of Fear, check out our show notes. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Go Ask Allie and follow me on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you'd like to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I would love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways you can do it. You can call or text me at 323-364-6356, or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to goaskalleypodcast at gmail.com. And if you leave a question, you just might hear it on Go Ask Allie. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote hey guys you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.